Welcome to the LifeHouse Church Podcast. LifeHouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. All right, well, good morning once again, LifeHouse family. Celebrating six years today, we want to walk down memory lane a little bit here and show you some pictures from, uh, from the past six years. So this was our first logo. What a travesty that logo was. Like, what in the world? Like, we, you know, hey, we know, hey, everyone needs a, needs a start. And uh, I don't, like, everyone would ask, what is that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if that's a plant. I don't know if that's a fire. We just took it from our sending church. So just thank God that he has upgraded our branding <laughs> to a lot better. But anyway, anyway, all right, what do we got here? Oh, we, we got this. Look at Dallas. Look at, look at my little chunk right there. A little chunky Dallas. And then, we, and then this was our first, our first LifeHouse check-in booth, booth here. And um, thank God I've worked out more. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's crazy looking at this here because, you know, whenever launch started to kind of like come, um, it, it's like our front door of our house had so many boxes. Like it was absolutely wild just looking at, at how many boxes we had. Um, it looked like Christmas. Like we had the delivery drivers like, what are you guys doing here? Like just crazy. Anyway, next. So, so that was our yard sign. We, you know, we had yard sign. Whenever you're a brand new church, you're trying to get the word out however you can. Yard signs. We sent out fifty thousand. Uh, po- uh, we sent out fifty thousand postcards. We did social media marketing. We're just trying to get the word out about about what about what we had going on. To the next one here. This was Kristen and I, right? So this was we had everything in our garage before the first practice service. And the first practice service, we rented a truck, and we and Kristen and I loaded everything onto the truck. And this was a picture. I mean, we were sweating like crazy. It, it was September in Virginia, and we were sweating like crazy. But we just wanted to take a picture to kind of mark the day. And so this was, I think, sep- September 6, 2017. Like I said, during during our first practice service. This this was our first Sunday. And I know y'all are like, oh wow, it was stressful. We sent out 50,000 postcards. I mean, we were trying to get every, everyone there. And then 10 minutes before the service starting, like, we were barely getting our sound on. <sighs> I was stressed. The lights didn't, didn't, didn't work. It, it was stressful, y'all. But just want to say, on that first day, we had 453 people there. And it, it was an incredible day. Even though, tech, you know, technically things were kind of a struggle, I was like, no one's coming back. No one's coming back. No one's coming back. Then I think the second week, we went down to like two something. And so any, anyway, it was pretty cool. Next. So this is when we got announced to the LifeHouse Network that we were going to be starting a church. And it's just crazy to think that was like six years ago with our, with our children. Just to think how we've got a 12-year-old now, a 9-year-old now, and 7-year-old now. I don't know how old my kids are. <laughs> 7-year-old now. And then just thinking in six more years, like we're going to have... A graduated high school student. And I mean, anyway, it's just like, okay, I'm not going to cry. Anyway, okay. Next. This was our postcard. So we sent this to 50,000 people. 
uh, if, whether you're dressed up, tatted up, or, some, or whether you're dressed up, tatted up, messed up, or somewhere, somewhere in between, you've got a place at Lifehouse. And so, so we sent that out. Go to the next one there. That was the other side of it, coming to a theater near you. And then the next picture, this was another picture of our first service. And this was another picture of our first service. So that, so that vest right there, do you see that jean, that jean vest? <laughs> I wore that the first six weeks of our church because I just liked it, right? You could, just, you could just change the shirt under it, but you had the same jean vest on. But the thing was, people started to come up to me and started asking me, John, do you need help buying clothes, man? Because I just, I just worried you're wearing the same thing every Sunday. <laughs> like, are they paying you enough money to buy clothes? Like, I just like it. Leave me alone. Okay, next. Or, or do, we, do we have any more? Is that it? That's it. Okay. So, hey, we just want to pause and give you a and, and And then to check this out, right? Check out the next slide here with these stats. Just want to show you a few things that God has done. Um, do we have stats? We don't have stats? Come on, man. Okay. Um, all right. In, in six years of LifeHouse, we have seen 1,700 first-time guests. We have seen 576 people make a decision to follow Jesus. We have seen 244 people baptized. We have invested 14,699 volunteer hours into the community. And get this, we have given away, invested $455,000 into our community, into local missions and global missions and church, planning almost a half million dollars in six years, y'all. Come on. So I just really, 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 really hope you know what you're a part of. That we are so thankful for what God has done in six years, but at the same time, we're, we are even more excited about what God is doing, right? Some people have said the greatest hindrance to the next move of God is the old move of God. And we're excited for the old. Like, we, we, we thank God for it, but we're excited for the new things that God is calling us to. And really today, I felt led, as we've been in this Jesus End series, looking at Jesus, to talk to you about Jesus and vision. And really, that's what I want to share with you today, is to hopefully give you a vision even more clear about where LifeHouse is headed and why we're headed there. Because I think one of the most important things that I can do as a leader, any leader in any, in any organization, and you know this, is to try to make the vision for where we're headed crystal clear. That vision is kindness, isn't it? Isn't it frustrating when you're a part of something and you're working for something and you don't know what the heck you're doing or why you're doing it or where you're going? And so one of the things that God calls me to do as a church leader, according to Ephesians 4, is to bring unity to our church. And one of the greatest ways and acts of unity is to share clear vision. Vision is powerful. And I, and I love what, what Andy Stanley says and how he defines vision. He says, Vision is a mental picture of what could be, fueled by a passion that it should be. Vision is a picture of where an entire church wants to be at some point in the future. And I just don't think it's important for the show, but you can see Jesus was a vision caster. Jesus casted a vision for life when Jesus said, hey, in John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and that they may have, have it more what? Abundantly. 
That was Jesus casting vision for what life could look like. Jesus casted a vision for love. Matthew 22, he said, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus was saying, I'm taking all the 633 laws and I'm breaking them down into two. That's what good vision does. Because a vision has to be concise. It it's got to be clear. It's got to take the complicated and make it understandable. That's why Jesus said, there's 633. I know y'all ain't going to learn all 633. But do you know what y'all can do? Y'all can learn too. Love God, love others. Jesus casted vision. Jesus casted a vision for growth. Matthew 28, he rose from the dead. He said this to his disciples. He said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Everyone say Go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you see how Jesus was a premium vision caster? Casted big vision. Even the scripture itself places a premium on the importance of vision. Proverbs. This is what it says in in Proverbs 29 18, in the King James Version. Come on, somebody, King James Version. We got one person in this church that reads the King James Version, and that's Pastor Dwayne. <laughs> he ain't alone. Okay, how many of you are KJV readers? Come on. Oh, we got some KJV people? Okay. The these and the thous? Okay. <laughs> Proverbs 29 says this, where there is no vision, the people what? Perish. Have you ever seen kids that don't have vision? When kids are left to do whatever they want to do, I got three of them, that when they don't have vision, we perish. Mom and dad perish. And they perish with each other. Because when they aren't focused on something, they're turning towards each other. This is why vision is so important. This is what happens in church many times. When there is no vision for what the church is going and where the church is going, people start to turn on themselves. Well, I want this carpet. Well, I want this style of worship music. I want us to do these outreaches. So, so then when, when somebody isn't casting clear vision, people will create vision. And, and, and that is why, like, one of the most important things I can do is to make our vision clear. One of the things that, is, that it says in the Old Testament, I love the Old Testament. This one says Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. It says, write the vision down and make it what? Plain. Y'all, this is what we've been working on for three years in our church. Ever since January 2021, if, if you're somewhat new here, this is new to you. But if you've been around our church, you know this. January 2021. COVID, we were in COVID, and we were doing 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I was really in a tough place, and I've shared this, not just personally, but with our church. We could barely gather together. We, we had the 2020 election cycle. We had the George Floyd tragedy. There was just so many things dividing us, but we were so separated over so many things. We couldn't come together. Gathering was weird. Some people didn't, you know, and it was just a really hard time. And being somebody that was all about wanting to see growth and being in a position where I couldn't see growth, I went into like probably a minor depression. Like I couldn't show up in 
see people. And, and, but what I felt the Lord say over that 21 days is, John, it's not how many, it's what kind. It's not about how many people show up to your church. What kind of disciples of Jesus are you intentionally trying to create and form? And how is your church putting in place a system and structure to actually form and shape disciples? Make it plain. And kind of from that point on, we have been working on making it plain and working this out. And that's why every week we share the vision. During the guest welcome time, we pause our service to welcome our guests. By the way, if it's your first time, we sincerely want to say welcome. Life outside, can we give it up for all of our guests here? So glad you're here today. Right? So we take time for that. But then, too, each week we share with you our vision of what we hope to see God do in your life. And, and I love what Stanley also says about vision. He says, vision needs to be repeated regularly. To make it stick, you need to find ways to build vision casting into the rhythm of your organization. So that's why each service, we say the vision to remind you. And I want to share that vision with you again. And y'all going to be sick of it. But what I've heard, Ron, and I know you, leadership guru, when, when people get sick of it is when they finally get in it. Right? So Lifehouse exist to invite all people, everyone say all people, all people to live an uncommon life. That, uh, that word uncommon is tied to John 10, 10, abundantly. When you study that word in the Greek language, that word abundant could also mean uncommon. It could mean vibrant. It could, it could mean different. Uncommon life by following Jesus, being a disciple, doing life together, being in community, getting in the game, being a servant, and leaving a legacy, being a steward. What you realize about this vision is Lifehouse's vision is not about a number of people attending our church. You will never hear our church saying, we want to have 10,000 people in 10 years. It's not about a number of campuses or churches being planted. We're not going to say five campuses in five years. It's not about just a Sunday morning gathering. Our vision is centered and based on you becoming a certain kind of person. And that's Jesus. And if you want more information, because we want to make sure that we're clarifying, not, not, not just clarifying the vision, but clarifying even terms, like what terms in the vision mean. And, and that's why, it, to me, the next best step you could take to get to know our church is, if you haven't done it yet, is life track. You can do it 100% online, because we want you to know, whenever we say uncommon life by following Jesus, we want you to be crystal clear on what we mean when we say follow Jesus. When we say do life together, when we say get in the game, when we say leave a legacy, we want you to be crystal clear of what we mean by that so we can operating from the same dictionaries. Because I don't know about you, I can be saying one thing and you can be thinking one thing and because we're not operating from the same dictionary, we have different visions. So we want to make sure that you know exactly what we mean whenever we say certain parts of the vision. One of the parts that I believe is so important to me is when it says invite all people. Everyone say all people. I've heard it said, John, you can't reach all people. You can't. People are different. And, and there's some parts that are true to that. But there are just some people that they're not going to jive with our church. We might, you know, like there's, I've, you know, over, over six years, I've talked with many people that, that talk to me about why they're leaving our church and you know, and it's, and, it's, and it's like, you know, part of you can sting because you're like, no, I, I think it is. And it's, it's just a reality of Jesus couldn't reach everybody. How are we going to do that? But just because we can't reach all people doesn't mean we don't throw an invite out to all people. And that's a part of our visions. We want to invite all 
people. And what I love about what we've seen as we've casted this vision is, I don't know if you can see in our church, we have all people. And that's one of the things that I love about our church and that is a miracle. It's a miracle. But why, but why I believe that God has been able to trust us with all people is because one of the parts of our vision is we're going to honor all people. Honor doesn't mean agreement. Honor means I'm going to start with the image of God in you as the first lens when I see you. It's not gonna be what you wear. It's not gonna be what, what clothes you have on. It's not gonna be what job you have, your social economic status. It's not gonna be your political party. It's not gonna, gonna, gonna be anything else rather than the first filter that I'm gonna view in his image of God. And what that does is it then gives us a filter of honor to let people know you are welcome here, you will be safe here to explore and understand this Savior named Jesus. A place where rebellious and the religious can find relationship with Jesus. Because, y'all, this is the funny thing. There, Jesus said there's two main ways to miss him, rebellion and religion. Rebellion is you want your way, Religion says, my works are better. And this is what I love about church, is, is we can come into church, and even though religious people who do good things can judge those who are somewhat looked at as rebellious, and the religious can be blind to the fact that their religion is keeping them from Jesus. The rebellious, they can say, well, you know, you know and, and sometimes the rebellious even know more, because you can even see the parable of the prodigal son. It wasn't just a parable of one son, it was a parable of two sons. The older son and the younger son. The younger son rebelled against his father. The older son was in his house, working in his father's house, but doing it for the wrong reason. He was doing the right things for the wrong reasons. And when his brother came back and he repented, the older son was like, how are you going to accept him, dad? Look what he's done. But that shows us there's two ways to miss relationship, the rebellious and the religious. And you know what? They're welcome here. If you are rebellious, we want to disciple you to see Jesus' way is better. If you come in and you come from a religious background where you can be puffed up with pride over the good things you do, we want to disciple you to see it's not your works that saved you, it's Jesus' work that saved you. And then if you put your hope in Jesus' work, the good works then you do isn't to save you. The good works you do is a byproduct of what Jesus has already done for you. So now the good things you do, you're doing for the right reasons. It's two ways to disciple people. We want to be a place where everybody can feel safe. Everyone feels, everyone say safe. Safe on their journey with Jesus. It's crazy. When I was going out and I was talking, or when, when I put something on social media a couple years ago, talking, I was doing a series on the church, and I was just sharing. I think I really, I think I asked a question, like, what would be an ingredient of the church that would be most important to you? And you know what the number one answer was? Safe. Safe. And I think safe is so important for anything to grow. Now, some of y'all are like, safe? Jesus wasn't safe. I agree. But Jesus created a safety place for his disciples to fail, for them to fail, and then he would correct them. But, but he started from a place of love with them. He started from a place of, I am calling you to follow me. 
And when the disciples heard that, that was cultural language. When a rabbi said, follow me, he wasn't just saying that, saying, well, I think you can know a few things like I know. When a Jewish rabbi said, follow me, he was saying, literally, I believe in you that you can become like me. And that's where our journey with Jesus starts. As you start to follow him, you start from a place of acceptance. You don't start from a place of deficit. You start from a place of acceptance. And what I believe is that the reason why the church cannot feel safe is because we expect people to be at a certain place in their walk with Christ that they aren't ready for. Because you can be at a spot, and many times when you grow in Christ, you can forget how many years it took you to get where you are. I mean, I've been following Jesus 20-some years, grew up in a Christian home. I've got a lot of time into the Word. I've got a lot of time into diving into my jacked-up self and letting the Holy Spirit work. I've got a lot of time in, so I can't expect someone that's been in the game following Jesus for two months, two years, even 10 years, to, to be at the same place. We have to honor where people are. But being safe does not also mean we don't challenge. You know at our church, you will be safe, but you will be challenged. In love. Why? Because you don't grow outside your comfort zone. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus created spots of safety, but even in the spots of safety, he challenged them to something more. And one of the ways that we can help each other is by knowing what stage of the, of the journey we're on. That, that's why I've preached on this before, talking about there are stages to faith, y'all. Some of y'all, you're in that confidence in Christ where you're just, you've just started to follow Jesus and you're figuring out, what am I doing? And then you need to like, you need some help in discipleship. You need someone to teach you how to pray. You need someone to teach you how to know your way around the Bible. You need to get in a small group. You need to be in a safe place to get some growth. And then some of y'all, y'all are ready to, responsibilities, like give, I'm ready to go to work. Like, it's like you're, you're ready to serve, you're ready to get in the game and that's a stage where you are and praise God. But then some of you, Many times when we start to do a lot for the Lord, we can neglect our relationship with the Lord. And many times when that happens, we hit something called the wall. And the wall can be a place of spiritual dryness. And many times when we hit places of spiritual dryness, we take the blame for it. What did I do? What haven't I done? What sin did I commit? And so we, we take the blame, which then puts us into shame and guilt and condemnation, when without realizing having stages of spiritual dryness is actually a part of the journey of following Jesus. It's nothing about what you've done. It's nothing about, I mean, and I mean, could there be times where, where you have neglected obedience that you've gotten into these places? Absolutely. But that's why you need discernment and accountability. You need, you need places where you can say, I'm feeling this. I'm trying to pray and I don't feel God. I don't even have a desire to go to church. I don't have a desire to read his word. And, and instead of us saying, well, what sin did you commit? And you're a horrible person. It's just like, can, can, you, can you tell me more about that? Because many times spiritual dryness hits when we have tragedy happen. Spiritual dryness happens whenever we hit places where we don't understand. Like, I've been working for God. I've been doing these things for God. Why would God have these things happen to me? And we get in this place of tit for tat and thinking if we do more for God, then God will love us more. And if he loves us more, he would never have anything bad happen to us. Have you read Jesus? Have you read about Jesus? His son? Right? So, so it's like we, we have to honor people that are at the wall and they need space and time to work through spiritual dryness instead of judging them for something they've done. Like people need 
space and time. Once you get through the wall, you have to go on this journey inside. Some people here, you are in a space where you are learning and exploring why you are the way you are. So you're diving into your childhood. You're diving into your development. You're diving into your developmental deficits. And just know that in, in a church, that can be a hard space and place to be in because to do that, you need margin. So you might need to take a step back from serving. You might need to take a step back from doing some of the normal church things. And, and, and maybe you need to, like a smaller group. You need one-on-one you know, accountability. You need, like, are y'all hearing my heart? We got to honor where people are. And we got to know that there's safety. Some of y'all like, y'all in spirit-led ministry. Y'all like, I've been through the wall. I, I like, I, I've gone inside myself. I'm ready to go. What, what we doing? Where we going? What, you know, what we doing for Jesus? Some of y'all are like, yo, transforming union. That's kind of where you're dwelling in a place of being with the Trinity. You have the spirit indwelling in you. You've got Jesus as a as a brother and Lord and Savior, and then you got the love of the Father, and you're just in this beautiful place. Y'all, we have to honor every place where people are without looking down and judging where someone is. We have to be wise enough and discerning enough to say, where are they at? And give them safety. Everyone say safe. We have to be a place, we have to be a church where people can be safe in the lower room and in the upper room. I've talked about this a little bit, talking about, do we have that graphic? Do we have that graphic? No graphic, okay. All right, all right, we gotta work on slides before second, second service, okay? <laughs> Looking base, base camp. Um, um, the lower room, upper room model is, sim- is simply this. The lower room of a church is, is basically the four Ps. The pastor, the, um, see, I needed my graphic. Yeah, (laughs) the pastor, the place, the person, and the programs. Basically, how people emotionally connect with and find a church. Because honestly, whenever you think about why many people come to church, they say, I like the pastor. It's this stuttering guy. He preaches decent messages, right? Or, man, I love the kids' ministry. Love, love the kids' ministry. My friend goes there. Or, dude, it's in a movie theater. It's awesome. Right? And that can be the place emotionally why we go to a church without knowing what the church actually has in place to make disciples. And, and it's just saying, the lower room isn't, isn't bad. We, like, we all need to find a spot where we feel like we fit. But at some point, we have to go to the upper room in a church, which is simply the upper room in a church, is the disciple-making vision that the church has. Basically, it's saying this is what we are hoping to see Jesus do in your life and how we see you getting towards becoming more like Jesus, which is the church's ultimate purpose, y'all. And I love, and I just want to share with you like, like two quotes that shook me. Because, y'all, it's wild how in the United States we can build a church, large, big, successful, the three Bs, buildings, butts, and budget. Honestly, when you look at how people deem success in a church, it's buildings, butts in the seats, and budget. If those three things are good, God's blessed us. You know you can do all three of those things and still fail at helping people become like Jesus? Because you can employ a business model. 
you can build a church in the United States without making disciples. And honestly, I didn't think I knew that the first three years, four years of our church. But in some ways, when I look back, that's what I feel like we were doing. And, it, it, and, and there's a lot to that, and I don't have time to dive into all that. But it was these two quotes that literally, it was like the Holy Spirit was like in a loving way shaking me. And saying, hey, what are you doing, brother? The church doesn't exist just to be big. I'm not looking for more people. I'm looking for people who want to be like me. And it was these two quotes that shook, the, the, the shook me. One by C.S. Lewis. said, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. Neil Cole said this. He said, ultimately, each church will be evaluated by only one thing. It's disciples. Your church is only as good as its disciples. It does not matter how good your praise, preaching, programs, or property are. If your disciples are passive, needy, consumerist, and not moving in the direction of radical obedience, your church is not good. And the Holy Spirit just said, John, what? Come on, man. We have to create an environment at Lifehouse where we are seeing people become more like Jesus. And that disciple-making vision, and that's what I feel like over the past two or three years, the Lord, through the power of his Holy Spirit, has been making, as Scripture says, making the vision clear. And I want to talk to you today about three words, kind of about three pictures that I think describe what the Lord is doing. Can you guys stick with me for the next 15 minutes? You good? Three word pictures that I really feel that the Lord that will help you understand what I feel like the Lord is doing and building beyond the verbiage we have for our vision statement, okay? The first one is this, a crock pot. <laughs> How many of y'all love some crock pot meals? Come on, somebody. Let's go. How many of you have a crock pot meal going on right now? You got that beef in there. You got them carrots in, in, in there. You got them potatoes in, in there. Come on, somebody. Crockpot. We, we coming into the season of crockpot coming into the fall. Praise God. Praise God. Also, just to throw it out there as well, we're, we're, we're going to be doing church at the park again. Come on, somebody. You remember church at the park? We're going to be doing church at the park again Sunday, October 29th. And it, hopefully y'all need to pray it's fall weather. Can you imagine being outside like 65 degrees, hand raised, the sun on, on, on your face? It's going to be beautiful. But one of, one of the things that we're going to be doing out there is we're going to be having a chili cook-off. So y'all so need to get y'all crock pots ready to get that chili rolling, okay? Just saying. We doing that. We going to be having, uh, what's that thing called? Trunk or tree. We going, yeah, we got, we, we got your kids covered, baby. We got your kids, kids covered, okay? Yeah, it's, it's just going to be a fun, fun time. October 20, 29th, put it, on, put it on your old calendar. But when I'm thinking about what I feel like the Lord wants to do in our church is he wants us as people to switch what crock pot we're being marinated in. Because, y'all, one of the most important things about discipleship is realizing you, it's not if you are being discipled, but who or what are you being discipled by. The culture 
is trying to disciple you. The culture is trying to, in its crockpot, marinate you, soften you, and get inside of you so you will become like it. So discipleship is not just a Jesus church word. Discipleship is a life word. It is what everybody, everything is trying to do. It's trying to shape you and form you to be a certain kind of person. And what I feel like the Lord is creating at Lifehouse is he's creating a crock pot that you can get out from the culture and get in the crock pot of the kingdom. Where you can jump from one crock pot that's trying to disciple you to be a certain way, to think about success a certain way, to think about people a certain way, to think about forgiveness a certain way, to think about relationships a certain way, to, to, to think about your money a certain way. And you're saying, I'm not going to be discipled by what the world and its systems and its culture is telling me. If I'm going to operate in the way of Jesus, I need to switch crock pots and get into the crock pot of the kingdom of God. And the crock pot of the kingdom of God is the local church. And the church's responsibility is to create a crockpot where you come into it and you feel like you are being marinated in the kingdom values, kingdom principles, kingdom truth. So you can conform and change into the image of Jesus. And the most, and God, we have to realize that the, 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 the place, the tool, the vehicle for discipleship is his church. And it is the church's responsibility to create a place, not to use you to grow the church, but to create a place where the church exists for you to become more like Jesus. And so we create a crockpot. Everyone say crockpot. Crock this is what John Tyson said. He said, church matters. Western culture is a seductive environment with many cultural idols working on our affections and practices, changing our habits and shaping our minds. Get this next line. The church exists as a counterformative community to confront our idolatry. So we don't go to church for entertainment. No, what we're really working for here is transformation into the image of Jesus. This is why Philip Yancey stated that the church exists primarily not to provide entertainment or to build self-esteem or to facilitate friendships, but to worship God. If it fails in that, it fails. I have learned that the ultimate goal is getting worshipers in touch with God. Y'all, Lifehouse, we creating a crockpot, y'all. But if, 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 if you're going to get in the crockpot, you got to realize you're already in a crockpot. And you have to ask, are you in the kingdom crockpot or are you in the cultural crockpot? Crock and if you realize I'm being more shaped and formed by what the culture is telling me and shaping me more than, more than I am by the kingdom, you, you need to get out of that hot crockpot and come into the kingdom crockpot. And that's what we're trying to build and create here as a crock pot where you can jump in and there will be a discipleship vision for you to become like Jesus. The second picture is of a table. Table. Come on, somebody. Doesn't that look good? We got Thanksgiving on the way. Thanksgiving's loading. Already got pumpkin everything out. Just waiting for how they're going to create something else. Pump, pump, you know, pump, you know, pumpkin. It's absolutely wild, but... When I think of what we want to create at Lifehouse, we want to create a buffet. We want to create a feast where people can come and feast on Jesus. Jesus, he tells this parable, Luke chapter 14. I'm going to read it together, 15 through 23. It, it says that when, when one of those at the table with him 
heard this, and, and when he was talking about him, Jesus said, he said to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, his servant uh, said to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make what? Excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go to see it. Please excuse me. Second one said, I have just bought another five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and uh, reported this to his, to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go and go out and quickly into the streets and the alleys and the towns and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then, he's, then, then the master said to his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Jesus was giving us a word picture here of how he describes the kingdom of being like a feast. And the invite has been thrown out. But I don't know about you, it's easy that even when Jesus gives us an, an invitation to eat, we can become great excuse makers. And what I'm saying is, and how this relates to what we're trying to build at Lifehouse, y'all, is we want to build a massive table, have so much of Jesus on this table, and we want to invite, and then we want to say whoever wants it can come to the table and eat and feast on Jesus. That's why our staff is working so hard to prepare a feast for y'all to dive into. I think you Kaylin, she's working on, on developing our life group so you can have go and feast on God's word and relationship. That's why the School of Discipleship has been built. We got nine students right now diving in to the feast that is Jesus. We're trying to create services. We're, we're trying to create environments where you can come in, you can come to the table, and you can feast not on a pastor. You can come and feast not just on a church a church. A, a, a church organization, you can come and feast on Jesus himself. Don't forget, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the living water. Jesus is the one that we are trying to create a feast of so you can come and you can feast on him and you can find purpose and you can find hope and you can find joy and you can find love. You can find identity. You can find everything that your soul is longing for. And your soul will only be satisfied when it's satisfied in the one that created it. We're trying to create a table. We want to build a table where you, your friends, your coworkers, your family, and our community can come together and feast on Jesus. We want to create the kind of feast where you're telling your friends and your family, you got to come to this meal. You got to come get you some of this. You got to come and try this Jesus guy. Where, you know, I mean, you know, how many of you, you had the houses where all the kids wanted to, wanted to go? And the reason they only wanted you thought it was because of you and how cool you were. It was because your mom cooked. <laughs> it's because your mom was known as the one where she would be cooking it up. That's what we want to do. A place where you feel safe and comfortable inviting your friends. A place where you feel safe and comfortable knowing if they come to this church, if they come to a group, if they come to a service, they're going to eat good. 
they're going to eat good. But we just don't want your friends to eat good. We want you to eat good. So we're working hard to create a table where you can feast on Jesus. And, and listen, we know the excuses can be abundant. But we don't focus on the excuses. We continually put food out and trust the Lord to guide those who want to come and eat. And with the kind of food we, that we want to put out, we want to put out a beautiful spread. I sound like Donald Trump. A beautiful spread. Right? No, I'm sorry. Just <laughs> beautiful. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> sorry. I'm joking. I, I don't know. I probably shouldn't have said, said that. Sorry, online family. No one leave, leave the church. But just beautiful. Um, why do I do things like this? I don't understand. I need to make sure I set. But, but just a spread that is diverse. Because this is what Jesus said. You must love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. You know what that tells me? A holistic faith. Holistic. Mind, body, soul, spirit. We don't want to just create a spread, and it only relates to those of you who, who, who want to just feed your mind. Or those of you that just want to feed your feelings. We want to create a spread that feeds the whole person. Holistic discipleship. I don't know if you've seen this, but different kinds of churches can focus on different parts of Jesus. So mainly, if, if it, and just kind of throwing out generalities here, if it's kind of like a liturgical church that kind of focus more on the cerebral aspect of faith, know the right doctrine, know the right theology, but you go to their services and it's not that it's emotionless, but you can sometimes wonder, do they understand in their emotions and feelings that you can feel and be expressive? But at the same time, you go to wildly expressive churches that are barking and shouting and doing a bunch of stuff, but they're hateful. They don't know God's word, and they think following Jesus is just about having Holy Spirit goosebumps. When Jesus said, mind, body, soul, spirit, your body, Scripture says, is a temple. Part of one of the reasons why I think we're struggling in discipleship is we're not honoring our temple. That's why we're tired. Y'all see where we're going here, right? Like, we're tired, we can't think straight, we can't say no to things. We're distracted. And all of this stuff can be tied to, like, we, we have a body that God told us. You know you, have a, you know you have a mind. Mental health isn't just a buzzword. Mental health is a part of the gospel. We Scriptures where we're renewed by the transformation of our minds, the renewal of our minds. Part of discipleship is clearing up the mental mess. Part of the gospel is sanctifying what you feel. Part of the gospel is knowing truth doc doctrinally so you can fight the lies with truth. Part of following Jesus is loving God with all your soul, all of who you are, your mind, will, emotions. Do you see how holistic Jesus was when he said this? That's the kind of spread we want to do to where if you need to clean up the mental mess, let's feast on Jesus. If you're at a place where you want to process your feelings so you can be a holistic, like we got a place where, you, like, we want to create a holistic table where no matter where you're at in your walk with Jesus, whatever part of you 
stage you're at that you can come and you can feast on him. The, the last picture here, and then we're going to close. Christian, please, please come up, my, my brother. Christian is not single. He is married. Okay, some of you were wondering. In the years of our church, we, we had certain keyboardists. <laughs> in, in the years of our church, we had certain keyboardists and certain, uh, certain guitar players that would come up, and if they were single, I'd be like, hey, they're single, just to let everyone know. You know, just, just throwing the net out, man. Some, 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 sometimes you just got to throw the net out there, and you never know, right? You never know. And we actually had, I think, how many people, like, how many people married? I think it was two. Like, we actually got them married. Praise God. <laughs> but he is taken. He got married back in June, right? He got married back in, back in July to Heather. We love them. We're thankful for them. And so, uh, yeah. <laughs> but some of y'all ladies are like, dang. He's so humble. He ain't going to do nothing. Oh, yeah. The Holy Spirit just showed up. Did you hear that music? No, but um, kind of the, the last word picture here that I really feel that, that the Lord is building, right? He's building a crock pot. He's building a table. But thirdly, he's building a gym. You know what we say at our church. We are not trying to be like Jesus. What are, what are we doing? We're training, baby. The church was never meant to be a place where Christians come and shelter in place and wait for Jesus to come back. This is never God's will for us. Jesus didn't say, I died, rose from the dead, therefore go into all the world and preach the gospel. And by the way, stay in your churches, stay away from unsaved people, play it, play it safe, just shelter in place until we get to heaven. He said, no, he, he said, I've been given all authority, therefore go. Proclaim, teach, baptize, and just know as you do this, know I'm, I'm with you till the end of the age. But unfortunately, the church has become a place where we just want to shelter in place and hold the fort down until Jesus comes. And I think that's one of the major reasons why our faith is where it's at right now. Why, if you look at any st statistic, the church is struggling. Honestly. You know, Lifehouse is in the top like two or one percent of church sizes in the United States. Like 80 or 90 percent of churches are below 90 people. And there's nothing wrong with, with smaller churches. It's not about size. But also what I'm saying is impact. And I think a huge reason why is because the church has become a place where people just come and consume instead of a place where people come and be trained. Or they come to be entertained is the worship good enough is the pastor good enough preaching are the kids programs good enough and all those things matter we take them serious we are going to give our best in preparation and trust the holy spirit right but if we're only about the church saying what can i consume instead of saying i'm a follower of jesus i want to be trained to be a disciple so then i can go and make disciples if that is not our goal and calling we have missed the gospel and that is why we are creating a holistic training center. Not like we're creating a whole separate organization. We are going to be 
a place where if you are a part of this church, we're going to have a place where you can train. Because that's part of what it is to be a disciple, y'all. There, the root of disciple is discipline. Discipline requires training. Because unfortunately, what we've done is we have relegated the gospel to say this prayer and you're good, you're going to heaven. Instead of realizing you following Jesus is so you can bring more heaven to earth right now through your life to where you are not waiting to get to heaven, you are building heaven so you can bring heaven. But to bring heaven requires you to train, rethink, get in a different crock pot so you can get out of the hellish culture into the heavenly kingdom. And then you can build it within you and then you can build it through you. This is, but you know, let me just get you, give you a deep breath. This is gonna take y'all's whole life, y'all. This is not a tomorrow. This is not an instant. This is not an app you download. This is not something that's quick and easy. This is something, y'all, that it's gonna take the rest of your life. So just take a deep breath, rest in the grace of God, rest in the goodness of God, rest knowing you have a safe place at Lifehouse here, that we're gonna create a safe place for you to grow and mature and live the uncommon life that God's called you to live. We're gonna, we, we, we gonna have a gym and we, just, and, we, and we ain't skipping leg day. Come on somebody, come on Andrew. Come on Andrew, we ain't skipping leg day. We ain't gonna try to have a big chest with these chicken legs. We want to train the whole body. I love what Paul said to his pastor, protege, Timothy. He said, train yourself to be godly. He didn't say, pray that you would be godly. Prayers apart. He said, train yourself to be godly. We want to be a place. We're going to create a training center. We're going to get a new crock pot. We're going to get you in a crock pot. We want to give you a table, and we want to give you a gym. Beyond the verbiage of our vision, this is what we're trying to create, where when you step in, you're like, I'm thinking differently. I'm thinking about people differently. When you step in, you're like, I have so much to feast on. When you step in, you're like, okay, okay. I see that bicep coming. Why? Because you've, you've got a place to, to be safe in a crock pot and be demarinated and remarinated, and then you can feast on Jesus, and then you can come and get some training in, and then you can become a personal trainer and train others. Is this making sense? Pray y'all hear my heart. If this is your first time here, I pray you hear our heart. This is what we are working hard to build and be so we can see you live the uncommon life. And that uncommon life is you being a disciple, you being in community with others, you getting in the game and you leaving, a, not to live for now, but to live in light of the fact you're gonna die and leave a legacy. I wanted to close today with a verse in Philippians chapter one. And this is Paul speaking to a church he planted. Paul wrote this when he was in prison. He was about to die. And he penned these words at the beginning of this book that I was always thinking, as we're concluding here, what it, what it requires to see the crock pot, to see the table, to see the, the, the gym happen. And this, this, these verses just really stuck out to me. Philippians 1, 3 through 6, it says this. I, and, and, and it's Paul, I thank God every time I remember you. And 
in all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. And I just want to pause and say, honestly, when Kristen and I remember all of you and all of what God has done in these six years, we just cannot help but just say thank you. Thank you. If you're watching online, thank you. If you've been here for one week, one year, six years, thank you. When we remember you, we thank God in all of our prayers for you. Then then he says, we always pray with joy. Because of your, and I love this word, everyone say partnership. Partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is what... When he uses the word partnership, Paul is saying, we're partners in the gospel. And when I think about, as we are creating and presenting this vision to you, what it, we're trying to partner with you in the gospel. And as you participate, as we create, as you participate, it creates a place and space for you to become a certain kind of person. And that person is like Jesus. And I know that just as this verse said, as God had began a work in life house, he's gonna be faithful to complete it. And so what I wanna invite you to do today, can we all stand? Have I been clear? Have you guys heard my heart today? And what I believe that the Lord wants to invite you to participate in today is to committing to partner with us. Listen, there's a reason why we say invite all people because we're not gonna coerce you. We're not gonna manipulate you. We're not gonna guilt you or shame you into this uncommon life. We're gonna invite you. And we're gonna just create places and spaces and environments. And when you are ready to get your workout in, when you are ready to feast on Jesus, when you are ready to jump crock pots, you're gonna have a space and place And what you're going to see is that as you participate, as you partner with us, you are going to see you change to become a certain kind of person. That person is like Jesus. And really quickly here, just kind of a couple ways you can do that is, number one, we have groups starting. We have some incredible groups coming up. I'm leading the men's group. Men, if you are here today, you need a brotherhood. I would love for you to come out on Tuesday nights and join us. We're going to create a, a community for men where you can learn to follow Jesus, be life, do life together, get in the game and leave a legacy. My wife's leading the women's group. and I mean, there, I think there's 10 groups total. You want to get plugged into one of those. But y'all, we just, I really pray today you heard my heart and that you will have a heart to participate and what God is doing and what God is building here. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we just thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Would I pray that the words that were shared today would fall on open hearts. Lord, that they would know how valued they are, how loved they are, how much you love them. And that, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, that you would inspire them to step into Maybe the crock pot, maybe the table, maybe the gym, but to help them live the uncommon life you've called for them to live. 
So Lord, we, we thank you today that as we receive communion together before we receive communion together today and we remember you, that we just wanna remind ourselves, remind our church that God, it, it's all about you. It's all about becoming like you. It's all about being formed and shaped into your, into your image. So Lord, we thank you today for what you said, for what you spoke, for what you sealed. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot Lifehouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about Lifehouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.